0: This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. When temperatures top 90 degrees and even jumping in the lake doesn't cool you down, the movie theater beckons, sitting in that sweet A.C. in front of the big screen, snacking on that buttery popcorn, slurping on that cold icy, getting lost in another world, hearing the collective gasps and laughter ripple through a crowd. There is nothing quite like it. And if trailers can tell the future, there are some blockbusters in store for us this summer everything from comebacks to directorial debuts and films that have been getting lots of buzz for months. Richard Roper is entertainment columnist for the Chicago Sun-Times and he's here to preview Fifteen films coming out this summer. Welcome,
1: Richard. Sasha, you got me so excited, and this is my job. And you, that, That's better than that Nicole Kidman commercial didn't they have about sound going really back to the theaters. Well, it is. That's one of the great things about the summer movie season, is going back to the theaters and yes. having that communal experience, which, of course, we didn't have for a couple of years. Yeah,
0: I went back to the theater just a couple weekends ago with my kids. We saw Super Mario Brothers, ah, and I was in heaven. Right. <laughs> Nostalgia. And, it,
1: it, and it's so great to have that experience with your kids. They'll remember that the rest of their life. seeing that with mom yeah. in the theater, and that Big, giant, dream-like kind of experience.
0: Nothing like it, as I said. Well, tell us this. Is there anything different about the movies that come out in the summer versus the Thanksgiving, the Christmas stretch? Like, what makes a good summer movie? That's
1: a great question. You know, a, a long time ago, the summer movie season was kind of considered, oh, we'll just put the, you know, the secondary releases. But starting in the 70s with movies like Jaws and Star Wars, they realized that Just for the reasons you mentioned, that people want to escape in the cool darkness of a movie theater in summertime. So you get a lot of the big blockbusters in the summer. You get prestige films as well. But when we get to Thanksgiving and the holiday season, as you mentioned, that's when you get most of the Oscar contenders, the more serious films. Mm-hmm. But the summer is mostly about the big popcorn entertainment.
0: Well, what about this writer's strike that's happening right now? Do you anticipate that having an impact on release dates, mm-hmm. maybe?
1: I think it'll have, you know, all of these films are pretty much done. There might be a few where they're still doing some editing. Where we're going to see that ripple effect is next summer, both with Uh. streaming series and with theatrical releases, because right now, movies that would be coming out in 2024... Are shut down.
0: Yeah, so those releases might be very well pushed back. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. for sure. So you wrote about Guardians of the Galaxy in your preview, which came out on Friday. I know that you saw it as yes. well.
1: You must find Counter-Earth familiar. Counter-Earth? I visited your planet many years ago. Earth hasn't been my planet in a long time. Your people had wonderful spirit. Mm. The art and music and literature were some of the finest in the universe. Earth would be a fabulous place were it not for the ignorance and bigotry. Okay. It inspired me to create counter us. I don't care. All of the good and none of the bad. I don't need another speech by some impotent whack job whose mother didn't love him rationalizing why he needs to conquer the universe. I'm not trying to conquer the universe. I'm perfecting it.
0: So without giving us any spoilers, (laughs) I've been saying this to my friends and family because I know quite a few people who have seen this one already. But you wrote that it was emotional.
1: Yeah, it really is. One of the reasons I love the Guardians films is that they're a band of misfits. You know, they they look different. They talk different, even in the world of superhero movies. But they're a family. They're a family unit. And you get the origin stories of some of these characters that we've seen in the previous Guardians movies. And I was like, I did not expect to go to a Guardians of the Galaxy movie and be reaching for the tissues. And crying. But if you don't tear up at the end of this movie, <laughs> you might be dead. That's all I'm saying.
0: Are you human? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, we're we're in Marvel's Phase 5, right, uh, right, of the cinematic universe. As the MCU keeps expanding, uh, some moviegoers, they're talking about this so-called superhero fatigue, mm-hmm. Richard. Is there truth to that, or do you think that there's just endless appeal here? I do
1: think there is some superhero fatigue. I I think... They're going to have to make some adjustments. We've seen all the special effects and all the huge, famous comic book characters. And I think we're going to see some secondary characters from the comic books emerge. And also you need stories like Guardians of the Galaxy. And in fact, I'll jump ahead a little bit if you don't mind. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, which is the animated movie, uh, the sequel to the first one, where you had Miles Morales, this young teenager from Brooklyn, you know, and you had this very diverse, different Spider-Man uh-huh. and different Spider-Men and Spider-Women. And that was a huge hit because people are like, we've seen the basic Spider-Man story, three different versions of it <laughs> right. since the year 2000. We've seen three different Spider-Men. It doesn't matter. My kids uh, yeah. are
0: dying to see this new Aren't one. They?
1: Yeah, absolutely. But, but I think that's one of the reasons why this one is going to be so popular because it's unique it's a little bit different you can't just keep having someone who's threatening to blow up the universe and then everybody bands together to save the world
0: right exactly
1: we need something more when you say it like that richard
0: <laughs> <laughs> sounds like every plot spoiler alert yeah <laughs> i mean if there's one thing hollywood loves to cash in on it's a franchise and in this case yes we're talking about mission impossible and indiana jones let's start with mission impossible sure. dead reckoning part one which will be out in july here's a little bit from that trailer
1: Your days of fighting for the so-called greater good are over. This is our chance to control the truth, the concepts of right and wrong for everyone for centuries to come. You're fighting to save an ideal that doesn't exist. Never did. You need to pick a side.
0: Okay, so this sounds exciting and yes. high stakes.
1: Yeah. Yes, absolutely.
0: Must we make more of a classic, though? Uh,
1: you know, it's interesting because this is one of the few franchises that almost each film has gotten better. And darker and more complex, as you can tell, there's world politics playing into this. And this is essentially, Tom Cruise never played James Bond because he's an American, but he's, this is his James Bond franchise. And because it started off the mission impossible that it was a group of people, of yeah. individuals going all the way back to the old TV series. And now it's really his story. Uh, and they really are. They're c- incredibly well done. We all know that Tom Cruise is quite frankly crazy. We see him doing these stunts. <laughs> so almost every time they film one of these movies, they have to take a break after he, you know, snaps his ankle or pulls a hamstring because he's 60 years old. But he's incredible. So in most cases, by the time you get to the seventh film of a franchise, I'm over it. But I'm actually really looking forward to this.
0: Yeah, so you have high hopes, even though this is number seven. Yeah, really, really. <laughs> these are re-
1: really well done. And one of the things I love about these, of course, there's going to be special effects, but they really go to all these exotic locations around the world. And you can see that on the screen yeah. when they're in Vienna, when they're in Iceland, when they're in Italy. And that that you know the huge budget there is put to good effect.
0: So Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, your first take on this Yeah, one. well,
1: you know, Indiana Jones, again, this iconic, you know, Harrison Ford has played Han Solo in the Star Wars movies and Indiana Jones, two of the most iconic franchise uh, of all time. I think Harrison Ford's finally starting to have some fun, In his 70s, it feels like, you know, he's done a couple of TV shows now with Shrinking and uh, the sequel to Yellowstone. And he's finally loosening up at the age of 164. It finally feels like Harrison Ford because he plays Tom Cruise is
0: 60. Harrison's 164. Don't
1: don't quote me. Don't Wikipedia me on this, folks. (laughs) But uh, uh, that's part of the charm of his character, of course, is Indiana Jones is this stoic guy. I, I feel like maybe the franchise has played itself out. But the fact that Harrison Ford is coming back. One last time is Mm -hmm. the selling point here.
0: Yeah, I mean, it includes Phoebe Waller-Bridge from Fleabag Mm -hmm. as a co-star. There are rumors that Harrison Ford's going to get written out of the franchise and turn the reins over to her.
1: I think that would be the smart move. You know, they did that. With, you know, Speaking of James Bond, Daniel Craig in the last James Bond, he was 100% written off because he was yeah. killed off. Spoiler alert, the movie came out but a while But not everybody's ago.
0: happy about this, though.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, and a lot of people get really upset about movies they haven't seen and childhood memories of theirs that are somehow sullied because they're not going to be exactly the same. Uh, people don't like change. They don't like change, especially in their movies. And, you know, my basic uh, response is get over it.
0: Wes Anderson has a new film called Asteroid City. It has an all-star cast, Jason Schwartzman, Scarlett Johansson, Tom Hanks, Tilda Swinton. What's the premise of this so the, one? The
1: premise of this is set, uh, I think, in the 1950s at a junior stargazers convention in a fictional desert town. So it's all about middle America in the middle of the 20th century. And you just mentioned the cast. Wes Anderson is one of those directors who every actor wants to work with because his films are are quirky and different. Mm. And speaking of the, the writer strike, they're all about great screenplays.
0: Yeah. Also, the the amount of you better not be acting like you're in a Wes Anderson movie when I get there.
1: Tiktoks. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Once you made it to TikTok, right? I mean, that's generational that's appeal, of, right there. <laughs> totally. I want to dig into uh, the films that are coming out of A twenty four Studios. Uh, so for those who aren't familiar, this is the studio that's behind award winning films like Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Uh, That brought home, as we know, seven Oscars last month. Just on fire right now, right? And and they just released Bo is Afraid, another film that my kids yeah. wanna see. Uh this one stars Joaquin Phoenix. So mm-hmm. what do they have in store for us this summer that you've got your eye on?
1: Well the thing about A twenty four is you don't get to know a lot about their movies until they come out, which is kinda great. Like for example, Bo is Afraid. Yeah. So it's not just not a lot fact. of promo. No, they don't do that because they just say something coming from A twenty four. So that's that's a case where I don't usually get to see the movies until maybe a couple of so days they do before that on they come purpose. out. They do that on purpose okay. because they, they uh, listen, it's not the greatest example anymore because of things that have happened afterward. But Miramax had that prestige name in the '90s before all the you know the horrible behavior uh, was you know brought to light. But yeah. the studio itself mm-hmm. did have that buzzness where it was just that you would be like, okay, I'm going to go see that movie, and that's how it is now with a24. In I fact, see. you mentioned kids; they even wear like a24 merchandise, is and they reselling it and you know, wow. buying it up, and yeah, it's kind of crazy.
0: So which which films do you have your eye on? You hurt my feelings, is
1: one. Uh, yeah. You hurt my feelings is um uh it's got uh uh sorry uh Julia Louis Dreyfus mm-hmm. in it, and it it's one of these character driven things. What I like about this is so Julia plays a writer and she's in rare for a movie. She's in a marriage that's actually very happy after twenty five years. There's no midlife crisis, and she's a pretty successful writer, and her husband does very well. He's a therapist. And she overhears him saying to a mutual friend that he doesn't really care for her latest book. He didn't like it. And that one Ooh. comment, and you know as a creator, that is a no know, no. And just that one overheard line makes her question the entirety. Of the authenticity of their union. And he's mm. saying, well, I was just trying to support you. And she said, if you lied to me about this, <laughs> did you hate all of my work all these years? Yikes. What's true? What's not? So I, I love that premise. Cause Tell it's me they go like, see a therapist after yeah, Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's almost like a parlor game. What would you do if you overheard your partner saying something about your work? That was negative, and how would you react to that?
0: Oh yeah, all jokes aside, that that would be right? tough. That it's would a be tough, tough situation. Yeah, all right. Up next for A twenty four is "Talk to Me." Now, this one it looks terrifying, but so good, Richard. This is this is about teenagers. Uh, They're learning that uh, they can conjure spirits.
1: It's really interesting to me to see this renaissance in what they, you know, the cliché term is elevated horror. But they're more than just, you know, the Friday the 13th and Halloween movies were so much just about, you know, the final girl being chased and a lot of splattering. And now there's a lot more spirituality and... Depth to the plot. But eventually you get down to the fact that you get a bunch of people who do things they shouldn't do. Mm -hmm. You're like, why would you, why would you, (laughs) why would you blow the dust off that ancient book with demons on the front of it (laughs) as we see in Evil Dead Rise? Or why would you figure out that you can conjure spirits of? But because it's A24 and it's a late summer release, sometimes you get some real cool surprises toward the end of summer. The blockbusters have all been released. You're looking for something clever and original. I think that's what Talk to Me will be.
0: All right, let's switch gears because people have been posting about this for months. And by people, I mean me. <laughs> Literally just posted an Instagram story like days ago. It's coming out this summer. I'm talking about Little Mermaid. How do right. you feel about live action Disney remakes in general?
1: You know, going back to people and their childhood memories, I always remind folks that I'm actually a pretty big fan of a lot of the live action uh, versions they've done, whether it's Lion King or Dumbo cinderella i mean let's face it disney got smart about eh, 15 years ago and said why would we we own all these properties we're not going to do reanimated versions of them we're going to do live action yeah And, and my response always is they're not going to take away the animated film if that's the one you prefer that's fine it's still going to be out there so i know people are so they're like oh my gosh you know They're ruining my childhood memories. And I'm like, what a fragile childhood you must have had if your memory of Little Mermaid is going to be ruined (laughs) by a new version. So uh, I keep an open mind. I'm going to see it uh, uh, next week. Uh, It's got a wonderful cast. It's retaining the same storyline. It may be a little jarring to see some of these, you know, little fishies and and crustaceans talking because they're very realistic looking. I know in the Lion King it was a little strange because you kind of couldn't kind really tell the difference between the various lions in some cases. You're like, well, that's just a lion. <laughs> well, now Beyonce's talking like a lion. Now James Earl Jones is. I guess they're different lions.
0: Right, right, right. <laughs> well, you know, here's the thing with Little Mermaid. Right, we know that when we first got word about this, it got a lot of racist backlash yeah. when the trailer dropped. Do you think that that will impact ticket sales at all? Either, you know, people showing support for the movie or whether they'll steer clear. I personally think it won't.
1: I I think the people who make those racist comments aren't smart enough to tie the laces of their shoes, let alone find their way to the theater to watch a movie. So my feeling is it will not impact it. And again, when people talk about something not being historically accurate, I'm like, so you're saying that you have evidence of what real mermaids look like?
0: (laughs) Okay, so we got to talk about Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Ken. Hey Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie.
1: Hi, Barbie. Ugh.
0: Hi, Ken. I see <laughs> memes all over social media. I was wondering, what is everyone doing? Why is everyone putting their picture in this Barbie frame? Yeah,
1: they've done a brilliant job of sort of doing this guerrilla marketing where they just, oh, some photos just got leaked <laughs> from the set. How could that possibly yeah, it's have happened? so much attention. That Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling are standing on this street corner in costume. And you, know, you, you look at this and you go, listen, they tried to make a movie out of G.I. Joe and it didn't work. But then you look at, you know, uh, Greta Gerwig, who's such a brilliant filmmaker, and her partner, Noah Baumbach, uh, writing the screenplay with her. And the description basically that Barbie gets kicked out of the Barbie world for not looking perfect. So then she goes into the real world. And Will Ferrell plays the CEO of Mattel who tries to pursue her and bring her back. So you know this is going to be a lot more than just a frothy, superficial, pink story.
0: This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We're talking with Richard Roper, Chicago Sun-Times entertainment critic about movies that are hitting the screen this summer. All right, so one movie that made your list, Richard, is Joyride, right? And this is a directorial debut of a screenwriter behind films like Crazy Rich Asians and Raya and the Last Dragon. I'm talking about Adele Lim. One of our producers is split, though, because she loved Crazy Rich Asians, but she didn't like Raya. So what's your prediction? Well,
1: Ryan yeah, the Last Dragon was a, a film that had kind of uh, polarizing you know views. I think almost everybody loved Crazy Rich Asians. They did such a beautiful job. Adele Lim did such a great job adapting a book. And when you're adapting a beloved book mm-hmm. to a movie people have such affection and, and you know really embrace the book and she did a beautiful job. So now she's making her directorial uh, debut in this road trip movie about four young women who make this journey it's a buddy movie but it's also one of them is searching for her uh, biological mother and they're going across China so the advance word from the film festivals is that it, first of all it's visually stunning mm. but also you get these you these great performances including uh Stephanie Shu who just was nominated for everything everywhere all at once is, is kind of leading the cast here yeah. so the buzz on this is 99.9% positive
0: love it So on the the flip side, we have a seasoned director and writer coming out with a film in July and the so-called Father of the Atomic Bomb. Mm, (laughs) I saw that trailer. It already looks like it's going to be great. Let's listen. We imagine a future.
1: And our imaginings horrify us.
0: They won't fear it.
1: Until they understand it. And they won't understand it. Until they've used it.
0: Theory will take you only so far.
1: We trusted with such a weapon,
0: but we have no choice. Wow, yeah, we also can't forget the uh, the cast. It's uh, a, it's, yeah, it's a list of A list actors, too.
1: absolutely. Killian Murphy is playing Oppenheimer, then you have Matt Damon and Robert Downey Jr., and Emily Blunt. Rami Malek, the list goes on and on. Christopher Nolan is one of the very few writer-directors who has the clout in Hollywood to make the movies he wants to make in the style he wants to make them and to mandate that they be released only in theaters. And this is obviously an Oscar contending film. He actually shot this in IMAX and actually shot a lot of it in black and white, which is the first time. Yeah, He's the kind of director He's sort of like James Cameron, although a lot of people would say Nolan's a more gifted storyteller Mm -hmm. where he has to wait for the technology to catch up with his visions sometimes. So this is sure to be great looking obviously very uh, heavy source material and probably one of the few films from the summer that's going to emerge with 10 Oscar nominations.
0: Oh, for sure. So Blackberry comes out this week. You saw it. Yes. What's that about? And, and how effective was oh, it? I love
1: I, Tasha, I love this movie. Uh, Blackberry. Now, first of all, the, some of your younger listeners might just think that's the fruit you you can, you can buy at the grocery store. But not that long ago... The Blackberry, as you know, was everything. It was in all the hip-hop songs. Oh, yes. It was called a Crackberry because it was so addictive. (laughs) That's right. I remember that. So this is the story of the – and it's really interesting, too, because it's a bunch of tech nerds up in Ontario, Canada, not in Silicon Valley, not Ivy Leaguers like Zuckerberg. But they were brilliant and they came up with this handheld device and Mm -hmm. the revolutionary thing was you could get your email on it and make calls. It had that little clicking sound Mm -hmm. and you were supposed to type with your thumbs. Blackberry Messenger, maybe. Right. It was the biggest (laughs) thing in the world. And, uh, this movie is very much like the social network. It tells the origin story. The difference is at the end of the social network, we're told that Facebook, you know, went on to become this, you know, giant thing. At the end of Air, the recent Michael Jordan movie Mm -hmm. where, of course, we know what happens with Nike. Blackberry had 45% of the smartphone market 15 years ago. You know what percentage they have of the smartphone market now? Two. Zero. <laughs> that, I that thought there zero. was still like it probably a does couple of have, people just hanging whole, on. A couple of holdouts waiting to hear back. So it's, it's, it's this incredible story about this spectacular rise. And then, of course, Mm. a guy named Steve Jobs walked onto a stage in 2007, I think it was, and held up this little device and said, it's an iPod, it's a phone, (laughs) and it's an email receptor all in one, and we're going to call it the iPhone. Yes. And that was the meteorite meteorite that that, that ended the dinosaur. Yeah, but it's really very well done film. Great performances and has that kind of docu-indie style.
0: So cool. Uh, That's Chicago Sun-Times entertainment columnist Richard Roper. Thank you so much for joining us. You can check out Richard's guide at ChicagoSunTimes.com.